You haven't even paid me from last time. I haven't watched Halo either. I'm going to summarize Halo Season 2 based on the Watching Now Halo podcast from Couch Soup. This is going to be fun. So Chief could be crazy. <laughs> Cortana's had a facelift. We're a bit mixed. Quan and Soren's story is really boring. Is, is it over yet? Reach is f***ed. Reach for the stars. You all are gonna die. Spartans have a new leader called Ackerson. More like Dickerson. Apparently McKee is alive. She didn't die on screen, so she's probably not dead. Key's definitely not dying. Right, right, right. And the flood is coming. Is the water on this planet? What do I know? You should be listening to the Watching Now Halo podcast everywhere. Podcasts are available. Where's my money, Drew? All Things Alice. This podcast will explore the cultural phenomenon of Alice in Wonderland as artistic landmark and global symbol of inspiration and imagination. I'm your host, Frank Bedore, the author of the Looking Glass Wars trilogy. Let's explore what is it about Alice? I'm so excited to introduce my first guest. Vincent Prose. He's an illustrator, concept artist, and Emmy award-winning animator known for his work in film, television, and video games. He worked on the Oscar-winning film The Shape of Water, one of my favorites, Stephen King's hugely successful franchise It Chapter 2, as well as the genre-bending TV show The Boys. Welcome to the show, my friend. So how you doing, man? I'm, you know, I'm doing great, dude. Uh, you know, it's I've, I'm I'm on a little bit of a a little bit of a hiatus right this very minute. You know, I had a very busy summer. Yeah. You know, been doing a lot of a lot of movie work and a lot of TV work and stuff. And well, let's talk about that because um, the last time you and I worked together was uh, 2015, 2016. And you know we've been working for fifteen years. And yeah, it's it's weird, man. Yeah. How the time just fucking—it's crazy, dude. How long how long it's been? Yeah, flies by. But um, what I've noticed is that since you've worked with me, you have decided to start working with really A level people. Now I don't know if I was the forerunner and I warmed you up for the. No, uh... you totally were, dude. <laughs> no, I, listen, listen. Believe me, I throughout my whole life i i never had any idea i would be working with all these great directors and i mean i honestly believed that i was going to be dead by the time i was 30 or a bum living on the street i mean you know i was a runaway as a kid oh i didn't and, know that um yeah yeah i ran away when i was uh 14 or 15 and i lived out on the street for a while how long? And uh, you know, so my whole expectation for life was never was never grand. You know, I didn't graduate high school, I didn't go to college, you know, I I um I did some, you know, I did my GED. <laughs> I never picked it up, but I did it. Anyway, the point <laughs> is is that I, I I never expected any of this. So well and and honestly, it all just I just walked into it. It's no there's no fucking I didn't do anything magical. I didn't, there was no mystery to it. 
it was just it just so happened that Stefan started working at at Midway, you know, and I was really disappointed about that because it was like, oh, they're hiring me to him to take my job and everything. But honestly, dude, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because the guy he knows shit, you know, and he he introduced me to you. He introduced me to the world that he works in, which is is like book covers and movies and stuff like that. And and I I didn't know anything about any of that stuff. Well, let's know. tell our uh, listeners that uh, you're referring to Stefan Martinari, yep. who yep. is one of the legendary concept artists in gaming and uh, and movies. Yeah, um, yeah. one and... of the original adapters of Photoshop and everything. I mean, he came up with Craig Mullins and stuff. Wow. You know? Yeah, yeah. He's he's a he's a master of his his uh, trade, and um, to have him as a mentor early on in my concept career was, you know, it's cool. I had a lot of mentors growing up. I had a lot of men step up and become like, a, I mean, you know, even you to an extent have been that for me because it's the, you know, when you have people that are, that are good people that, that help you come up in your career and everything like that, you tend to be like that too. When you are in that position you know, right, of. right. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting because, um, you know, Stefan was remarkable to work with. Um, and uh, I was really trying to expand my relationship with him, but he's so busy. And so he, uh, he recommended you. Um, and we, I don't know if you remember, but it was in 2008. And as a little bit of a test and out of my curiosity, I, I think I gave you the idea of creating card soldiers and how they might be hidden in a deck and then unfold and be dealt into battle. Yeah, and, and using the mythology that you had established in the, in the Looking Glass Wars, which was the, you know, coming through the, the reflective services and stuff like that. Right, right. And so. you did these super cool uh, concepts, uh, and that got me excited about, you know, working with you on the cover the re the uh re um the new edition of uh Hatteram Far From Wonder and uh we you know, was it the Far From Wonder one was the first one you did the concept uh and then you did Far From Wonder and okay. uh, and what I love about that story is um what you told me that I was curious I, I think I told you on the phone previous to this that I loved all of the police. So just to set this up for folks, because we're, you know, they can't see it. It was a cover of Hatter Madigan uh, finding himself in Paris, uh, lost and separated from Alice. And he gets surrounded by a lot of police. And one of the things I really wanted from you was a dynamic pose of Hatter throwing his hat which is very difficult to do because I had asked a couple of other concept artists to do it before you, not for the cover, but just so I could see the motion. And you sent me two, um, two pencil sketches, one where he was standing upright and the, the police were uh, below him and he was throwing the hat, and another one where they had engulfed him and he was throwing it up in the air. Yeah. Uh, that one, that second one, was the most visceral, but I chose the 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 pose where you really saw his body. It was like an athlete yeah. throwing the hat. But 
and, and so I, I loved it. But what was really funny to me was I said to you, how did you, you did such a great job with the police and the, they all looked, they came to life. And you told me that it was, <laughs> that it was you, your <laughs> image was the same, the same face for all of those policemen. All of them, man. And had her own. And I had a, I had this elaborate, um, down in my studio downstairs, I had this elaborate, like a, a, I had a stool, a high stool and I had, and I had my wife taking pictures of me because I wanted to get the coat right. I wanted to get the pose exactly right because I, I really wanted it to feel like that scene, you know, like shit was actually happening. And I really love action stuff from from comic artists and stuff like Jim Lee and everything like that. So I was really trying to trying to um, you know mimic that kind of uh, visceral kind of action packed comic well, scene and and. And I'm sitting there on the chair, and I think I was like in my underwear with the coat on, <laughs> and, and and I'm like, and I'm doing, and I'm doing it over and over and over again. I'm just, just take take the picture, <laughs> take the picture, and I had these strings holding the coat up to try to mimic the wow the waving of the coat and everything. So I had strings strapped all over the place. I mean, I did this for a lot of your covers because because uh, in the, in those days I was. Uh, I was uh, I went to this this uh, kind of book cover retreat thing that Stefan took me turned me on to. He didn't he wasn't there this year, but he turned me on to. It. Anyways, and they told you you always got to use live models for everything that you do. And I never did that before. I never painted from life. I did life drawing classes and stuff like that to try to get my anatomy ability up. But you know, I never done that before. But uh, so I was really into doing all these photos. So I have a lot of photos of myself as Hatter M throughout the years. <laughs> every one of those, dude, every one of those pictures, there's a picture of me somewhere as Hatter M in that outfit with that coat on. You okay. Know. You're going to have to send those to me. We're going to have- I, I got to dig them up, man. I, I know they're around here somewhere. I, I have, I've gone through two computers since then. So I got to, you know- Yeah. There, that that's gold. We have to. Uh, uh, if they're in un, in your underwear, that's even better. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah. And then and then uh, later, when you had Hatters for the Crossfire covers, when you had uh, it was it was a Hatter's brother, I believe, right? Yeah, Dalton. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Dalton. I had him. That was my kid. I used my son as that oh, model. That's... And both those pictures are him. All on, in the family. On Crossfire, the star guy, that's my son. That's exactly his face and everything, dude. Oh, right. Oh, but no, I think um, in in Crossfire, I think you might have used his face for Ovid, the new Ovid, character. Ovid, that's the not, new not character, the brother, right? For Ovid. Yeah, the front, the guy yeah, with the armor right in the and front. everything on the cover. Yeah, the kind of long, swoopy hair. Yeah, <laughs> but know? remember the first time you did, um, you did Under Fire, you had a dude with really gray hair he looked like he was 60 years old i'm like yeah. who's the guy with the gray hair and i thought i didn't know where that came from but we ended up tweaking that and uh and that the, both of those covers were inspired by some movie poster the, the, like the, the, uh, the uh the dirty um, dozen no the not dirty the, dozen the, dirty, the dozen. dirty dozen yeah and we i remember we were going back and forth on that too because i wanted to i really wanted because i love that stuff man you yeah. know I love that those old movie posters. I mean, they don't do movie posters like they used to, you know. I mean, Mondo, I think, can they come out with some good stuff. It'd be great to have them do a, a 
some kind of Alice one, some, some Hatter M stuff or something, get somebody at Mon- Mondo to do a, mm. yeah. you know, they're great, great man. They're fucking great. Anyways. Uh, yeah, they, they don't do, uh, posters like that anymore. And it's such a great idea. I really, I really got into it when I was doing it. Well, one of the things I wanted to mention about this was, um, you know, I, I, I've noticed because I've worked with a lot of different concept artists for the Looking Glass Wars, probably 30 different people. And usually there are artists that specialize in environments. And then there's people that specialize in weapons. And then there's folks that do, you know, characters. Um, and the reason that I kept coming back to you for these covers over and over was because you do all three of those so well, and they're sort of seamless. And I hadn't been able to find anybody that could bring personality to the characters, could, you know, do the wraparound for my covers. So you had the great image on the front, but then on the back, it was extending the look and the feel of it. So for instance, in the Zen of Wonder, we had Hatter in a in a pose in the front, but on the back, you created that really cool monastery and with those cherry blossoms. And it was seamless. They were beautiful connective tissue yeah and you know you when you compose those out you have to compose it as two images but then as one image also so there's like this this extra layer of thinking because you don't want to have too much action on the back because that's where you're going to have words and stuff like that Mm -hmm. you know so it's got to still feel almost like a movie frame Mm -hmm. but then you could fold it in half and it still feels like it's a it's a dramatic book cover you know and i did a extended of a of somebody else did a cover for you that i extended it for you once i think i remember I, that I, I, um i extended a background of oh, one of your covers oh right it was just the background i didn't i didn't do the cover right mad with wonder yeah. remember mad with wonder and um yeah. it yes. had, had her from the back and you saw his his backpack and the blades coming out yeah yeah, yeah but yeah. i but i needed the I think it was in England. The sleeve. Yeah, I needed the sleeve yeah. to be f- to to, to yeah. work. It was just a little short. So, yeah, I mean, we've done we've done. Uh, That's the thing. I mean, I'm I'm willing to do anything with you, Frank. You know. Thanks, brother. I love your your uh, your your imagination, your creativity. It's it's amazing. Man. Well, wait a second. I mean, and you're so fucking accomplished. It's like Jesus Christ, dude. Oh, okay. You know, wait a like, second. Wait a second. He's wait a, a second. fucking Olympian. Wait a second. He, what? <laughs> wait, wait a second. It's like, oh, you know, oh yeah, he produced something about Mary. Andy's a fucking Olympian, dude. You know. <laughs> well, and he wrote best-selling novels. I mean, it's like, what the fuck? Who is this guy? No wonder Guillermo uh, del Toro wants to work with you. I didn't realize you were such a charmer. So. No. <laughs> Dude, I'm I'm all real, man. I'm it ain't about you. that. I'm, I'm teasing per- you, dude. I'm I don't I don't bullshit people. I don't blow, blow smoke up people's ass. Really. Let's talk about. I, I say what I mean. You know, uh, always uh, for 15 years. You that's exactly right. So, <laughs> but let's talk about your Oscar-winning movie. <laughs> oh well, I only worked on that for a couple weeks, and um, he, uh, you know, it's it's really funny because that was the first time I had ever worked with him. And, and when he, when I met him, I, I tell this story all the time, but I don't think I've told it to you when I, how I met Guillermo. You have not. Um, I, I was at, so 
So I had gone to Comic-Con a couple of times back in, in the early 2000s and, you know, it's chaotic and it's hard and it's, you know, you've been to a million of them. Indeed. It's brutal, right? Brutal. Set up. Every, it's just brutal. Anyways, so I was going to quit doing it all. My wife talked me back into going because we had heard a friend of ours, guy, another artist named Alan Williams, he had gotten uh, discovered there from Guillermo del Toro. He walked into his his, his space and, and said, hey, I want to hire you for something. It's like, wow, that's amazing. So Jen's Jen's like, hey, hey we got to go. We got to go. He's going to totally come into your space and ask you to, you know, I'm like, get, you know, I'll do it because you want to do it. But, you know, that's fun. That's, that's, I can't, you know. Anyway, so I go and I got my whole setup and everything, got my paintings up and stuff. And I'm sitting there behind the desk and it's like, I think it was early. And just this big fat guy comes walking by with a Luca mascot, one of those old Lucha, Lucha uh, wrestling masks. <laughs> and uh big fat guy carrying all these bags and shit like that comes in and he's just like looking around and he looks up at the painting he looks over at me he comes up to the desk he's like hey he pulls the mask away from his face a little bit so he could talk he's like my name is Guillermo del Toro I want you to work for me <laughs> and I'm like all right yeah fuck you man <laughs> Guillermo del Toro okay dude you're Guillermo he's like no 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 I'm Guillermo del Toro I'm just well, he's like, hey, here, give me some of those books. Write your write your phone number in the back of there. I'm like, oh, okay, Guillermo. Here, if you want them, you could have them for free, you know. And I wrote my name <laughs> and my phone number in the back. And he's like, no, 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 no. I I, I support the arts. And he gave me a hundred dollar bill. He's like, you know, and then he, he walked away. Oh my god, and that it was is... it. And I was just like, okay, it was bizarre. But again, this is the year that Jen told me to go because Guillermo del Toro was going to fucking discover. Anyway, so I was I called Jen right away because she wasn't at the at the box when I was there, and I'm just like Guillermo del Toro supposedly was just here, but he's wearing a mask. I'm not really sure if it was him. <laughs> and you know, I I didn't know what he sounded like at the time or anything like that. Right. It was pretty funny. Anyways, uh, you know, a week later he called and he said, uh, he said, hey. Uh, can you come come up here to Toronto next week? I got this uh, this show I'm starting to work on called Carnival Row. Oh, okay. And and I'm like, oh yeah, sure. That that sounds wonderful. And I was like, of course, my my head was exploding. And they <laughs> sent a limo to my house to pick me up and got me on a plane there and set me up in a in a room. And uh, I was there with several other artists, and and Alan Williams was one of them, and. Uh, and we worked on Carnival Row for about six weeks and we did a bunch of stuff. It was, you know, it was amazing, crazy. All of us artists packed in this little room and Guillermo coming in every day and going over. It's just so exciting and so, so wild, man. And it's that so cool. that's such a big show. I mean, that production and that was early on in the streaming. Yeah. So this is like the, the second time that it was being produced. And then the third time was the charm, but they ended up, they did use stuff of mine in the version that eventually made it onto Amazon. So, well, let me ask you, um, because, uh, Guillermo is such a fan of comics and art and all pop culture. What, wh how did he position or talk to you, the, all the artists about what he was looking for? Was there a lot of reference art? Was it just him sharing a vision? Did he say, you know, come up with your best interpretation uh, Guillermo is Guillermo because he's an artist himself I think because he draws because he 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 knows how to identify strengths 
an artist and he he focuses on having those artists do those things what did he focus you on uh i did a lot of i did a lot of keyframe stuff okay you know um i did some design stuff i did a lot of i mean i work dude i worked on so many projects with him and one two two came out you know you mean- i worked on the, the shape of water mm-hmm. which right after carnival row he had asked me and guy davis to stick around for an extra couple of weeks. What did you do on that show? And I worked on the tank, mm-hmm. the uh, the tank that the the fish man is in. Yep, because I had drawn a tank for Carnival Row that he liked. Oh, so he's you know he wanted me to okay. Design, so I did a bunch of tanks for him in some corridors. I did some. Uh, the beast work was all taken care of because he had already had this vision for that guy ever since Hellboy. You know, he had this idea for this this relationship between a fish man and a human, you know. Um, so he had already had all that going and everything. But uh, he just needed the the environment stuff that I did some of the apartment stuff and everything. But, you know, I mean, it was just two weeks. Yeah, it just and it happened to win an Oscar, and it, it's, <laughs> it was you know it was really a, a great f- film and you know a subject about falling in love with the other, and it was a yeah. brilliant yeah. Myth- and, and, metaphor you know, that you're you know it's okay to fall in love with something that may not necessarily be what everybody thinks you should be falling yeah. in love with. I mean, and so effective. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so you've ha- done some follow up work with him, or. Oh yeah, I I worked on uh, Pacific Rim too. Okay, with him oh. for six months. Oh wow! For six months. What did you got, do on that it, for six months? For six months, I was on that project. What kind you of designed, the, what kind I of art? Giant robots, a million giant robots, and and I did a ton of keyframes, and I did uh, I did some monsters. I did all kinds of shit, man. I just did all kinds of stuff, and then. Six months later, we were all in the studios. We were, we we're in the, the the offices, the Pinewood offices. And one day they just came in and said, okay, we're done. We're not doing it. And it was really, it was really disappointing. You mentioned that you worked on the Smile movie. And just so you know, my 14-year-old daughter really hates scary movies, but all of her friends are going to scary movies. So she feels compelled and she just went and saw Smile and she she was terrified. Uh, But it's a tough one. Yeah. And so what did you do to scare my daughter? Okay. So when this kid contacted me, this guy, Parker Finn, that directed and wrote this film, this is his first movie. I'm so proud of this kid. He's, he's the scripts. Frank was amazing. Oh. It was, I knew that this, this movie was going to be a great movie when I read that script because he wrote a really, really spot on script. And uh, it's a really good story. A lot of horror movies right now are dealing with um, uh, psychological trauma and how that trauma could come up and, and bite you on the ass later in life. Which, this for, movie, which for teenagers is a big deal. It's a big deal right now, man. It's really important to approach this stuff, especially relationships between parents and kids, mm-hmm. because we're starting to really figure that stuff out now. The Gen X really has come up with 
with a lot of good parenting skills based on their lack of parenting when they were kids, you know? Right. Um, I think that we've, you know, we've done a pretty good job. I think that our, the kids that we had, they're pretty good. I mean, they're doing some pretty great stuff out there. So I I have a lot of faith. I have a lot of faith. But anyways, so the smile movie, I created the, the, so there's, there's a monster at the end. I'm not going to tell you what it does, but it's, it's a pretty horrific monster. Okay. So what did you create though? I mean, you, you, so what did the director say? Here's Uh, what I I did concept art. So basically I watched the short of the film. So he had made a short and that's on IMDb right now. You could, you could actually see the short right now. Um, I saw that and I read the script and he said, I want to do this really interesting thing at the end. I don't want to really say what it is because it's, you know, it's part of the whole crux of the movie. Okay. But the visualization he described to me, he described what he wanted the creature to do. But as far as what it looks like, he's just like, I just need, I need you to throw some ideas at me. And I just, I'll be posting these online, by the way, uh, at the end of the month beginning in November or something like that, I'll post some of the stuff that I did for him because I wanted to wait until the movie's been out for a while before I post any of the the concept art I did on it. But it's a pretty horrific monster. I think that um, the concepts, there's some of the, some in the concepts that uh, stuff that I did in there that was, that was really pushing the envelope on stuff. And I, I think I, I could, I, I'll show some of that stuff to you. Cause it's, it's, it's really fucked up, man. It's really scary shit. I don't know where I come up with this stuff. Don't even ask. It just, it just comes out. You live in a dark place. Yeah. Yeah. I also got stuff coming out in uh, Guillermo del Toro's uh, Cabin of Curiosities. Oh, okay. What do you have? So I have, so there is an episode called Pickman's Model, which is about a painter. And it's a, it's old H.P. Lovecraft uh, story. And uh, the paintings in the movie, the oil paintings were all done by me. So in the show it's like an hour episode of this show so i did all the oil paintings these big giant oil paintings for this like i don't know like 20 of them Uh, spent the whole summer working on them oh i didn't realize that because i knew that you did the pencil sketches and then you finished a lot of your work in the computer but i didn't know also i didn't know that you did oil paintings. no I, i i actually recently learned oil painting over the past eight years I've been messing around with it and stuff like that. And, and uh, I started getting really into it for a while there. And then uh, I had a, I had done some, some prop work for lock and key, the TV show lock and key. Sure. I did the, I did the door, the ghost door, and I did some uh, paintings, some drawings and some, some illustrations in the computer. And then, and then uh, the, one of the prop guys over there on a, on Guillermo's show called me up. He's just like, oh, I saw this bunch of the stuff you did on Lock and Key. Do you think you could do these paintings for this Pikmin model thing? And he's like, you want to talk to the, the to the production designer? I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. I could do it. You know, I, I wasn't sure if I could do it, but I, but I wanted to do it really yeah. bad. Well, it's so much better I'm to like, say yeah, yes. I could fucking do it. So <laughs> I went out and I bought a bunch of giant canvases and I did all these paintings, man. And a couple of them I had to do in the computer because of time restraints. I did like maybe uh, two or three in the computer, but um, all the rest of them I did on canvas, and they're some of them are pretty pretty horrific. I, I can't wait to see them, and I'd love to include them for 
the listeners uh, to check them out on Circle. So when you feel when you feel um, okay with sharing them, well, uh, when it releases, uh, like they're going to have the first two episodes out on the twenty fifth, I believe, and then uh, you know, and then weekly after that, I don't know when my episode is coming out. You know, I worked on this stuff back in in twenty nineteen or twenty twenty or something. Right. So I don't know when my episode is going to be out, but. Um, yeah, they're all my paintings are going to be in there. It's going to be cool. And you're also working on that crazy hit show, The Boys, right? Or you did? Work I did. On it. Yes, I worked on that last season. I am not working on it this season, uh, but yes, I I did design the um, giant house size size penis. <laughs> yes, of course you did. That was me. Okay, I did. I did the whole animation of how he climbs into the the head of the penis and down into the shaft of it. Oh, I'm, I, I'm, of course. I mean, I'm so glad I asked. Um, it's, that's, that's the kind of work that, you know, real, the real art can come out. I, you know what? I, I actually enjoyed it a lot because you're doing something that nobody's ever done before. Whoever fucking drew that before ever <laughs> in the history of fucking the world, man. I mean, I drew a little tiny person covered in cocaine and lubricant climbing inside the pee hole of an erect penis. I mean, who's ever going to ever draw that again? The 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 the, the inspiration, where it might have come from. <laughs> I, I think I have to interview your wife. <laughs> well, it, it, it still makes me. It makes my me hurt thinking about it. <laughs> the idea of something doing that is just so. It just makes my skin crawl. It's unbelievable. Well, you know, I have some experience with that uh, producing. There's something about Mary. Oh, right. You know, the beans and Frank. So, uh, so I guess we're closer in, uh, you know, artistic inspiration than I than I knew before this this chat. So, <laughs> and when I saw it, it's like you see the way his his nuts were coming out of the zipper, and it's like, what is that? How does that even happen? How does that? You know that actually that actually happened to the Farrelly's friend. Um, so that was a real life uh, experience, uh, repurposed for art, or at least a laugh. It, it's again, it's it's one of those things that you you kind of feel it when you see it. Yeah, yeah. You know, in a very, very, it's, very It's very visceral way. way. So when he screams, the audience screams, and certainly all the men squirmed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so extraordinary, though, that, um, that you, where we started this conversation about you being a runaway and not finishing high school or, or college, and it just is a great kind of lesson that, you know, if... If it's something that I talk about in schools a lot, it's a, you know following your passion and 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 trying to have a career that's something you love to do. So take me back to the beginning of your drawing career because I've I love what I love seeing your sketches. They're really loose, um, and I and I love you know they're on a scrape of paper. Or you have a, I know you have a sketchbook, and um, so is that how you got started i mean because that i so my dad was a he was an artist but he was like uh he always wanted to be an artist but there was never really any money in it mm -hmm. you know being a, a chicago or didn't really go to college you know so it was 
anyways seeing him draw that was kind of a way for me to get closer to him we had a very strained relationship mm -hmm. and and my relationship with drawing really was in tandem and me trying to get approval in right. tandem of that you know what i mean and so yeah. it became a, a comfort zone for me it became a place for me to to escape to all the time and when it came to a place where i couldn't escape there anymore then i that's when i left you know and the drawing was always something i had to do not necessarily something that that you know it's a drive man and, and i couldn't do any other job honestly dude I, right. I really couldn't do any other job i've tried to get work at gas stations and all kinds of i couldn't do anything else i mean i'm a pretty good bullshit artist so i could could go the con man way i mean i did do telemarketing <laughs> and stuff but you know i'm past that era yeah in my life but that was a, a certain point in my life too but you know i've been uh i started off doing uh you know just drawing on napkins and and stuff for people in a bag of folders or whatever wherever i could when and, you say um, for people drawing you know just their just in coffee shops coffee shop you know, really i i would ditch school for you know weeks on end and just sit in coffee shops all day smoke cigarettes drink coffee and and draw people you know well, you're and not. I really. You're... I was the only artist I knew too. I didn't know any other artists. I didn't have any friend artists growing up. All my friends were just regular people that you know really didn't have a lot of ambition. You know, uh, at least that was just my experience. But you know, I was always fucking all. I was all over the place. I was never in one place for for any length of time. You know, always you know bopping around, living with this person, or living over there, or living out there. You know, well, uh, you know, you wouldn't be the ideal role model for most parents. But let me ask you no, how no. you <laughs> how you uh, how you uh, discuss this with your son. Um, I'm interested in, you know, we as parents want to evolve from where we were or from what our parents gave us. So how you know, if your son's has he ever said, hey, I want to be I just want to do rock and roll or some equivalent, and you did it, Dad. Why should I go to college? Why should I follow this path that, you know, society tells us we need to follow? Right. Well, there's there was struggle, you know, a little bit of struggle there just because of, you know, because my wife, she really, really was on the, wanted him to go to college and everything like that. And because I'm such a fucking dimwit, you know, I'm just, oh, what does he need college for? You know. I didn't go to college. <laughs> right, right. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, so you weren't stupid. so keen on the evolving. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. That didn't work out very well. But you know, he is pretty well adjusted and everything. And and the and I think a lot of that because I, what I noticed growing up is that a lot of uh, of the Gen X parents, the parents of us, um, were. Helicoptering. You know, they, it was they weren't scared of making us the enemy in the house you know it's like there is always an us against them sort of thing with our parents for some reason hmm. and i i don't understand why because w with our kid we never had that it's us against you we're all part of the same group mm -hmm. you know i you know i'm not gonna come down on you for something that i know i did at your age 
Right. You know, I mean, it's how can you get mad at that? It's part of that's the way they learn. You know, Uh, you know, I I find that really uh, true because the more honesty you are with your kid, like, look, I know you're going to do these things. If you're going to drink, if you're going to vape, I'd rather have you do it at the house uh, than out somewhere where it's unknown and scary, especially with what's happening with um, fentanyl. So yeah. it's like, we, we need to keep the kids close and be evolving is just being real to what kids are facing. Is that That's how I parent. I just like, it's, you ask me a question, absolute, I'm going to tell you exactly the truth and what I did. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. I mean, I didn't, I didn't give him any of the, the raw truths of my youth until he was much older. But I, I, I definitely live by that, that guide of, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make you the enemy in this house. If, you know, you catch him smoking pot or whatever, it's like, you know, I'd rather him smoking pot than drinking anyways, you know, right. drinking is like a poison in your right. body. It, right. You know, I mean, pot will make you stupid, but it won't make you violent. You right. Know? Right. Well, okay. So. This is a podcast about all things Alice. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we are going down that rabbit hole. We man. are I mean, doing how many rabbit holes have we already gone? Down? And 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 parenting is a deep rabbit hole that we could go. We could talk to. I could talk to you for hours about that. I know. Um, because I I had a similar. I had to get out of. Uh, I grew up in Minneapolis, and I had to you know. And I, my escape was um, skiing, um, and that's all I needed. I needed a little escape route. Um, and uh, and then I went from there. But given I'm, you're my first guest on my first podcast, and it's called All Things Alice, it's time for me to ask you an Alice question. Okay, let's hear it. Well, what was your introduction to Alice in Wonderland? Uh, Arthur Rackham. Oh. Yeah. Alice in Wonderland, Arthur Rackham, the, the illustrations, um, I had, I had had, uh, I had, I had, had the experience of the grim fairy tales from a friend's house. I'd seen that book and the work of Arthur Rath- Rackham is, is, uh, is it's just magical. It, it, it's what all the modern fantasy artists base their, their ideas on. Cause he's just uh, so prolific, but um, in, in that realm, uh, what's yeah. the quality so, of his, of his drawings that, um, that you could describe which the reason you feel the way that you do in terms of technique a lot of it has to do with the nostalgia of it Mm. you know honestly the the look of that that victorian era kind of uh uh, the facial features the way the eyelashes how long the eyelashes are and how everything is is kind of delicate and in, in in its own place but then when you see some of the more uh dramatic creatures uh they become grotesque but still at the same time approachable i i don't know how to explain it but it, it's just the way he lays his color down it's also I, i'm looking at some pieces right here on my screen and it, it's he's just such a it's hard to describe man you know Really experience. I think my favorite is Ralph Stedman. Um, Stedman was the guy who he was friends and a collaborator with Hunter S. Thompson, 
and okay oh yeah i remember yes yes it's it's crazy it's like tripping on acid work but the, the lines yeah. the lines the, yeah. the, the they're so clean and they have such a whimsical and to your point i mean this was in the 60s i think he did his his alice in 1969 so it does feel of the era obviously uh hunter s thompson um so i love that guy and there's one other guy, Barry um, Moser. Barry Moser won um, uh, American Book Award for his design of Alice in Wonderland. He produced these hand, he produced handcrafted books, and he won this award for uh, design and illustration. And his is kind of a combination of um, of Arthur and uh, Ralph, and so I, I love him as well. Um, Oh, that's oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's really great stuff, man. You know, I'll post some of these on um on Circle if uh, if anybody's interested in seeing all of this art, the the concept art that um Vince has done for The Looking Glass Wars or some of the art that we're talking about for Alice in Wonderland. We'll just sign up for my um Circle account and uh, we'll share it there exclusively. You know, I wish that you sent this guy to me way back when, dude. Why didn't you send this to me as inspiration? <laughs> because I, I thought like saying, I now thought I, I want was, to redo stuff. What's th- the matter with you, man? I, I thought I was inspiration enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let me ask let me ask you another question. If okay. if you were to um choose a character from Lewis Carroll's Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, who would most represent you and your personality who would you be you know it's it's hard to you know i've been thinking about that every because i remember you put that you put that in my head the last time we talked on the phone and uh you know originally i was like oh i'd be alice but then i was just like but i do feel like i'm i haven't i'm always feel like i haven't done something that i'm supposed to do so i'm like well i'm probably like the fucking rabbit then (laughs) and then i'm like wait a minute i am confused a lot of the time and directionless so i'm kind of like tweedledee and tweedledum (laughs) so that's that's i settled for one of the oysters (laughs) (laughs) that is an excellent excellent answer well, you know, given your childhood, uh, I really understand the white rabbit. You definitely fell down a rabbit hole, but uh, yeah. uh, I, I would say that uh, you're more Alice than an oyster because uh, despite all the chaos that surrounded your life, um, you figured out how to get home and uh, make a life for yourself. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's really, you know, and it all started when, when Garber walked into my space, man, you know. That was the that was it. That wow. was the end of it. That's that's you know? that's a that's a great that's really a great story. So okay, well then what about what about Frank Bedore's Alice? Uh you know, man, who, you know, and who, I've been thinking a lot be? about that too. So I really I'm not I'm not an assassin. Okay. <laughs> okay. But you so, wanna be. What I what about We your... all wanna be the badass. You know, but it's I I always think I'm the guy that's throwing the the blades in the hat and 
you know, or I'm Alice with a sword and I'm leading people or I'm I'm fucking the the assassin cat and I'm like clever. And but then I, I'm like, oh, no, I know a guy that's more like that or I know a guy that's more like that. And for me, because I'm not really an action oriented person, <laughs> I don't really know who I am in that universe because it seems like everybody is so capable, you know. And honestly, I don't really think I'm that capable at anything other than doing what I'm doing right now. Well, so it doesn't seem like anybody's really in that world is is unwillingly dealing with the situation. And and I feel like most of my life, it's kind of been like things happen to me as as opposed to me making them happen. Well, then you're the walrus butler um, because, you know, the walrus butler is, you know, in the middle of all the chaos and he's just trying to deliver his tea and do what he's supposed to do and not get, you know, taken out. So that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I'm not courageous or, you know, I don't, I don't want to give my input. But, you know, I, I feel like, um, you know, I, I don't know, dude, the pandemic has, has really made my brain, I, I have a hard time communicating with people because I only, just me and my wife communicate. And a lot of times, you know, you communicate without words, you communicate in ways that you don't normally communicate with people in the outside world. So when you do, it becomes you know, awkward. And so I, I'm always trying to figure out what am I, what am I saying something that sounds that I sound like an idiot or if I sound, I don't, you know what? You might want to cut all this shit out. You know, I don't know what's happening. Actually (laughs) the exact opposite is true. Um, because in this short time we've been chatting, you've been authentic You've, you've been, you've revealed things that are personal, that are meaningful. You've shared your ups and downs. You've shown your talent. Um, you know, that all of those things are, are what make us human and what people identify with. So whether you can answer a question of if you're that Matt, you know, my Mad Hatter or, or from my novel, everything else that you've had to say has been the most authentic and, uh, and straightforward as you said, dude, I'm, I'm so, um, you know, in this, in this mode of trying to figure out how to do what you did, you know, because you created this, this, uh, this, this incredible vast universe, you know, with so many characters and so many layers. And that's kind of, you know, I'm trying to do that right now, my own, kind of little things that I've been working on and everything. And it's just, you you see the daunting task of it. And I just don't, how the fuck did you do it? Yeah, man? let's talk about how'd that. Let's talk about that because, um, you know, that's, that's often the case with creators, that it is really daunting. And I, I know the, um, I think you're talking about your project 2030, right? 2230, yeah. 2230. Yeah. And, um, you know, thanks for sharing it with me. Um, the concept art, the uh, animation is all brilliant. And you have a lot of story points um, that you're working on. So, you know, I could never create the art that you've created for my world. And you probably can't 
put as many words together as I can for for the Looking Glass Wars. So, you know, I think you have to find that partner or that collaboration. But separate from that, it's really the doing of it. It's the process. It's it's having the faith. It's because you've already created something to show. So it's real on some level. Now, you know, whether you do a short piece of animation that lives on the web, those things become real and tangible and they grow from there. But you have to put it out beyond your computer. Um, so it's it's when are you going to be brave enough to 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 share in a way that doesn't have to be daunting, in a way that doesn't have to, you know, you don't have to have a huge deal to do it. Um, you know how we are, dude. It, it's the whole perfectionist thing. Yes, you know, I do. The, the idea that you want to have it, because I honestly do. I've been working on it for so long. I've changed the message. I've changed the the characters. I've changed the dynamics of it. I've changed actually whether it was a a comedy or a dramedy or a sci fi horror. It's like changed so many times and morphed so many times. And and then and then because of the Trump and the pandemic and all these different things that are happening in society, they've all found their way into the story, the gender switching and 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 gender fluidity and and life expansion and uh, AI taking over jobs. I mean, our jobs, the artist jobs. Hmm. I mean, the, the, with the new with with uh, Mid Journey and 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 Dali and all these these. AI programs that are creating wonderful works of art. I mean, sure, it's all based on other artists' work, but I mean, it's artificial intelligence, but it's art. I mean, who's to say it's not art? So what are these artistic um, influences that would have led you to to this story, this uh, 2232? 20, 2230. Mm -hmm. it, it, so it's uh, Mobius... Uh, mm. I love animation. I always have. I've always been really into it. You know, um, it's how I got my start in professional art. You know, I started out working in, in Warner Brothers and Animaniacs and and uh, and Pinky in the Brain and a bunch of other stuff way back in the 90s. And uh, just the idea of, of being able to draw something that could come to life to me is just so it's so cool. It's so it's exciting. So, it's so cool, man. And even like I was just looking at that little animation I did of of uh, of Hatter throwing his hat, and you know I, I've actually I actually picked up uh, After Effects, so now I can do full animation now. Like before, I used to do it on paper with the wheel and the and the dope sheet. You know, all physical work. That that's when I was in animation. But uh, when I did Danger and Eggs, that was all in Storyboard Pro, you know, and that that's a. Um, so that people know what you're talking about, that's what you won the Emmy for. Yes, uh, that was what I got the Emmy for. Directing. And, and, uh, it's an animated was, show. Where could we see that show? That's uh, on Amazon. So you Danger can just and look eggs. it up on Amazon. Oh. And I, I'm pretty sure anybody that's got Amazon could see it. Oh, you know? super cool. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, that uh, Hatter... Um, uh, animation that you uh, are referring to. Uh, I had forgotten all about that until 
I started prepping to do this interview and I went, what, what was I thinking? Why am I not using that? That's, it's really graceful. It's so I mean, the poses are beautiful. Gorgeous. The, gorgeous. So I didn't, you know, it was, it was really fun working on that. I had Jen actually take pictures of me running through the yard and doing that. In your hat. underwear? Not in my underwear. It was, I think it was a little cold outside. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, you never want to be in your underwear when it's cold out. <laughs> no, no, no. It gets it gets uh, it gets brittle down there. Um, <laughs> and there's often yeah, some shrinkage. I, so, yeah, I did all those poses, man. I mean, I threw that hat a hundred times. You know, it uh, <laughs> it's it's really outstanding. I, I I love all those poses. So I'm gonna I'm gonna post that um, because uh, on circle because I, I I really like that. So but I'll, tell I'll make a little. Um, I'm gonna cut it apart and I'll make a little a little gift for you. Oh, can you improve upon it now because of your new um Yeah, I think I can after I can cut it out and actually make a little movie of it doing it. Oh you know. Even better. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah, I'll I'll try to do that over the next week or so. Okay. So just tell us uh, about what's the story of Danger and Egg. Danger and Egg. So this is a buddy of mine, Mike Owens, had created this, this, he had this vision for this egg that lives inside of a chicken butt in a, in a, in a state park. Okay. Wait, I, I have to just take a moment because I have to think about the vision that he had. Okay, go ahead. I'm with you now. It's a gigantic chicken. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a kaiju chicken. Okay. It's huge. And, uh, yeah, the chicken just kind of nests there and it the egg lives in there and he's 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 the danger egg, so he's really cautious and everything because he doesn't want to crack a shell and he's got this crazy friend named Didi that is just a maniac. She's like she's always trying to cause danger and her father father was actually a, a he was a um stuntman sort of guy that like evil can evil and he would, and he always is in all these casts and bones and shit like that because he's always all messed up because he's always taking all these risks, and it drives, it drives the egg crazy, you know, because he he's he's like he got to be safe and everything like that. So there's a lot of messages about that kind of stuff in there, and and uh, you know, it's really just them on adventures in this park, and there's other people that come, like the mayor comes there, and and like these other little punk ass people and shit like that, always messing with them and stuff. So. It's a fun little show. It's it's funny. It's cute, and uh, you know, it was a it was a quick job. I was think I was on it for like six weeks or something like that, and then I left early because I had to do another uh, another project. Um, but I I did about two episodes, two or three episodes, I think. I worked on four episodes all together, but I think I only got credit for two of them. Oh well, congratulations. Where do you keep your Emmy? Actually, it's right in front of me, right here. You I'll know, break I it was, out. I see now. <laughs> the last see, the last time I did this, I had strategically placed it behind me, and I felt like such a fucking jerk the whole time <laughs> I was seeing this thing sitting behind me. So it just seems so obnoxious. I mean, honestly, it's it's just a gigantic paperweight right now because I mean, what where, what am I do? What do I do with this thing? Yeah, you know, and by the way, nobody is going to be able to see it, so it doesn't really matter. But exactly. just but just sharing that story is great because I do yeah. the same thing. I have a little mini um, dog and a cast from something about Mary. And sometimes uh -huh. when I put a, do a zoom, I put it on my bookshelf just to see if anybody uh, uh, notices it. So <laughs> well, I, I honestly, feel you. People wouldn't know notice this thing i mean really because i mean you would never think to see something like this in a house 
you know i mean unless you live in hollywood yes who's, who's gonna have one of these fucking things sitting in their house you do <laughs> it, but, but that's just so bizarre it's just the most bizarre thing that you it's so weird it's like it, what are, i don't want to put it down there because it seems gratuitous yeah well you know? I, I you know i i have some trophies from my skiing life and i had them in the attic for 25 years and I recently took them out because my kids were like, dad, like, where are your trophies? So I put all the trophies out and there's quite a few of them. And now when people come over, I get embarrassed because I think, oh, he's has, that's the main thing. He's it's look, so look at my trophies. Who is this? He thinks he's yeah. like such a fucking like, yeah, great person or something. Hot shit skier from 40 years ago. But my kids, when their friends come over, they're like, these are all my dad's trophies. And so- I I gotta hey, do stuff. So it, that, it's like you gotta you gotta take a little and then you lose a little. On the yeah, you know, you, you, the kids have to have something to talk about. The parents, I mean, they have to have <laughs> yeah. something to point to. Because, so I have just two more questions for you, and I am very curious of the of all of the Alice in pop culture, which is you know it runs very very deep. Is there a piece of art or a show or something that speaks to you that you could share with us and i'll give you mine just so you know because it's uh it's pretty it's pretty on the nose which is my favorite song jefferson airplanes white rabbit i've long been a fan of that and that's you know you hear that all the time and then of course um the matrix is uh is another favorite um i love all the motifs in the movie i i I love the the white rabbit gives uh neo the message um and those are those are two of a long list of Alice inspired. And I and I heard this from you before, and and I've been thinking about this. You know, first of all, Jefferson Airplane in that song is so saturated with drug culture. And I was wondering, you know, what did that did that have an effect on you too? Was there some kind of because it was such a hippie, you know, because whenever whenever I heard that song, it was all about tripping on mushrooms and hanging out and smoking pot and all that kind of stuff. That's that's where my mind went listening to that song. And I'm just wondering for you, did it go totally to the Alice in Wonderland or was that influence there, too? Yeah, I mean, this is the thing that's so remarkable about a story that was written 157 years ago, that Alice represents the time, the era. And so in the 60s and 70s, Alice represented the psychedelic rock and roll sort of drug culture that was prevalent. Um, now, you see Alice in Wonderland referenced a lot in politics because of the craziness. So you'll see a headline with Trump in Wonderland or, um, you know, we've stepped through the looking glass with Or going down that rabbit hole in the internet. You know, it's so referenced. Yeah. And so it it keeps morphing to represent and it becomes the language for us to articulate the times we're living in. Um, And so for me... You know, because I was, uh, I, you know, in the 70s, I was, a, you know, as a teenager, uh, young teenager, that song, you know, resonated and, and I thought it was such a cool song and it just keeps finding its way into, you know, culture. So it was used in the most recent um, Matrix uh, sequel. 
So I think, and I uh, think it's also a great song. You talking about? Yeah. I yeah. think it was used in yeah. the ads. I'm not sure if it was used literally in the movie, but I well, think... they did say like you know, follow the white rabbit in in the first movie, and she and and the, uh, the in the well, Kachowski's used the blue pill and the red pill, not the drink me, uh, the right. different color. So so that pill be- replaced what was originally in the uh, in the novel. Um, and, but and, again, that, that's that's a sign of the times, though. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You know, exactly. You're not going to take tea now to get yeah. healthy or whatever. You're going to take you know. a pill. But yeah. So I mean, for the me, Xanax. I guess you know, honestly, the Disney animated movie is what what introduced me to Alice in Wonderland altogether. But the Arthur Rackham stuff is what opened my mind to it. You know, I would say the Disney stuff. It it brought me into the idea that wow that there's a thing this animation thing where it could you know where you could do anything and it's just wonderful fantastical thing and and I looked at it as something of more like a this is a process sort of thing um, and the, as far as like I kind of lived in that kind of thing it's like I had a top hat I used to wear a top hat you know that top hat that's in that picture. I actually mm-hmm. used to wear that in the early nineties. Oh, that's oh like cool. Around, like, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there was yeah. a that was the grunge was that guy. That was yes. the grunge era, so that would yes. work. You had a long coat. You yes. had a cool hat. Yes. I could get it. And kind of living that kind of Alice in Wonders, like in the early nineties, I I did a lot of uh, I hitchhiked uh, across states, states and stuff like that. And I, and I did a bunch of road trips across the country with no money. And, and, um, you know, I, uh, squatted with the best of them, man. You know, <laughs> I was out there, you know, doing mushrooms and hanging As your own bad hatter. Mardi Gras. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, I was like, I, I was kind of living that Alice in Wonderland, thing and I, and I think that that's kind of my biggest connection with with Alice in Wonderland is I kind of feel like my whole life is that hmm. is that it's this this kind of like I I don't know what's happening all this is just gravy to me because it's like at this point in my life I feel like like everything that's happened so far has been so much more than I expected that it's just like well you know, we, you know. <laughs> we, we, one, one of the topics of, of this conversation was which character are you in Alice in Wonderland? But it seems to me that um, now, after this, this part of what you were just saying, that you're really Alice because, um, you know, as a traveler, she is, you know, bombarded with oddities and weirdness at every turn, but she never loses her head. Excuse the pun. Um, even though, even though you were dressed up as the Mad Hatter, um, you were the Mad Hatter as Alice traveling across the country. Um, so I think that uh, that's a perfect place for us to end our conversation. And um, and uh, uh, I want to thank you for your honesty and especially the work that you've done on behalf of my looking glass wars you've done five covers they're all spectacular that piece of animation which has been buried away will be resurrected resurrected and, and shown off and uh i wish you the best uh with uh your project and you know if you want to talk about 
the pitch and the story in more detail at a different time. Let's I would do that. love to, man. Yeah. I would I would love that from you. And uh love that dude. Yeah, absolutely. And uh I think we you know, we live in a world where uh fantasy rules reality. So let's keep creating and um and uh we'll talk soon. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on, man. This is really terrific. You haven't even paid me from last time. I haven't watched Halo either. I'm going to summarize Halo Season 2 based on the Watching Now Halo podcast from Couch Soup. This is going to be fun. So Chief could be crazy. <laughs> Cortana's had a facelift. We're a bit mixed. Quan and Soren's story is really boring. Is is it over yet? Reach is f***ed. Reach for the stars. You all are gonna die. Spartans have a new leader called Ackerson. More like Dickerson. Apparently McKee is alive? She didn't die on screen, so she's probably not dead. Key's definitely not dying. Right, right, right. And the flood is coming. Is the water on this planet? What do I know? You should be listening to the Watching Now Halo podcast everywhere. Podcasts are available. Where's my money, Drew?